0: Welcome to Language Chat. This is a podcast for language lovers in Australia and beyond where we share our experiences as well as stories from other Australians and a few international guests of learning, working with and using other languages.
1: I'm Bec. Hi, I'm Penny and we have an international guest with us in this episode today actually, Philippa Kruger from New Zealand. Welcome. Hi, thank you very much. It's great to be here. Thank you for inviting me. Oh, We're excited to have you. Thank you. Um, Philippa, should we just kick off the episode with you, perhaps giving us a bit of background to yourself? Um, what led you to languages? What led you to teaching? And yeah, then we'll we'll go from there.
2: Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. So yeah. So my name's Philippa, and I um, am now the head of languages at Education Perfect. So Education Perfect is an online learning platform, and um, we offer um, learning material on many different subjects and languages being um one of our bigger ones and actually the subject that we started with so that we were originally language perfect um, and we started out as a language learning company and have evolved into having... Um, learning material for all different subjects so it's really cool to be um, a company that actually started as a language learning company Um, but before joining the EP team about six years ago or just over six years ago I was a French teacher for many years so I taught French um, in various schools around New Zealand Um, I'm based in New Zealand sorry I forgot to say that Um, and yes I taught in both the North Island and the South Island and I was teacher of French and also head of languages for many years before joining the EP team um so in addition to that I'm also a mum of three kids so I think that's I feel that's a really important part of myself to introduce as well um it's a big part of my identity and um yeah so between my work life and my home life that's um pretty much all I have time for. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, so that's that's a bit about me. Um how did I become interested in languages? That's a good question. I learned languages at school, so I started learning languages when I was in like thirteen, the start of high school. Um I didn't think that I would be that into languages. My sister was quite into languages and I sort of thought, Oh yeah, I don't want to be like her. Um but then I I I guess I had a really amazing french teacher at school who just really inspired me and she made language learning really interesting um she was she was really passionate about it she was really excited about grammar Um, she loved grammar and so that made me really love grammar as well Um, and that's that's how i became interested in languages really so I, i learned i didn't really do much language learning before I started high school my parents were always big believers in learning a language so they saw the importance of it um, and they encouraged us to do it but I didn't really I didn't learn languages from from as a young child um so yeah started high school really and then from there I um I learned French and I did German by correspondence which I didn't particularly like because I was doing it without a teacher so I was just kind of doing it um by myself, which was more difficult, but I definitely i loved French at high school um and then when I was about sixteen, I went on an exchange to Italy, and I had originally wanted to go to France because I wanted to practice my French in France, but they didn't have any space in the exchange program for anyone to go to France, so I ended up going to Italy, and that was actually a really amazing um life changing time for me because I I suppose I learnt that I was interested in languages, not just French. Like I love French, of course, but it was actually amazing—an amazing experience to go and be immersed in Italian, having never learnt it before in my life, and realising, wow, I can actually speak this language without having learnt it and formally. And just that really kind of um, made me passionate about. Language learning rather than just learning French. So I suppose that was really um, a pivoting moment in my life. And I guess it was around that age as well, I, 15, 16, I just decided, yeah, I want to be a French teacher. I want to teach languages. I love grammar. I really loved grammar back then. I've kind of evolved a lot since since those early days of being a real grammar fanatic. But um, I, yeah, I loved grammar. I just wanted to teach languages. I knew that's what I wanted to do right from when I was at high school. and. Yeah, here I am. I didn't know this is what I'd be doing, to be honest, working for an tech company. I mean, obviously, this this is a job now that I do that didn't exist back then. And even when I started teaching, um, I would have had no idea that um, this is where I'd end up. So, yeah, that's a bit about me and how I ended up becoming interested in languages. I love how you talk about being a grammar fanatic because I'm somebody who
0: also really, really enjoys grammar. I love it. Mm. I love the sort of system-like nature of it, and I love how it's structured, and I think it's great. But Penny hates it. Mm, that's interesting. That's really <laughs> and interesting. And we've spoken about this on the podcast before, but um, I think lots of you know people really do have kind of this love-hate. Sometimes a love-hate relationship, sometimes a genuine distaste, and other times like a real adoration of Mm. of grammar in languages. But it can really impact the way that people feel about how they Mm. learn languages, both as a student and then much later in life. And I guess it's it's really nice to hear that this teacher that you had that was so inspirational – Basically inspired you to continue going yeah. with French because she was so enthusiastic about yeah,
2: grammar. Absolutely, I mean she was a, she was enthusiastic about all aspects of French, um, but yes, she was particularly passionate about grammar. And I guess I I loved grammar. And I originally thought, oh yes, I want to be a French teacher to convert everyone to loving French grammar. And I even I we were we're doing a bit of sorting out here at home, and I came across my my honors dissertation from university which was how people learn french object pronouns and I was like whoa I'd forgotten I'd even done that I was like whoa <laughs> that's um really um really uh, grammar intensive because now I suppose when I started teaching um I learned that actually what I wanted through teaching french was for my students to love language learning and I realised that not everyone was like me and wanted to learn grammar and not everyone was that way inclined. And and I really, I guess my main aim as I kind of grew as a teacher was to make students um, enjoy language learning and want to learn languages whether regardless of what kind of student they were. I mean, languages has always had a kind of elitist thing attached to it and I really wanted to take that away and, and make languages approachable for everyone so um, I learned quite quickly that grammar is not the way to do that Um, and although it's very important and although I loved it it certainly wasn't the only way of getting students to want to you know learn languages so I um, as I sort of grew in my teacher pathway I had to sort of change my stance a bit and I've you know very much moved away like obviously still taught grammar and I'd often say in class you know if you really like grammar and you want to know more about this come and see me at the end and we can talk grammar but I didn't want to put off the ones who were in the class and they were really that was that was kind of their block to to being able to learn the language so um and I guess now it's interesting because I've had to kind of find a middle ground because obviously we're you know at ADP we um we're working with language teachers all around the world who are you know, at all places on the grammar spectrum. <laughs> so we've got some teachers who really treat, teach based on grammar, some that don't. And so we've got to come from a real kind of middle point. Um, so I've kind of been at all extremes and now I'm sort of in the middle and trying to cater for everyone's needs. So, yeah, it's been an interesting journey in terms of grammar, but it certainly is, um, yes, it's an interesting topic.
1: So, Philippa, after your high school experience of, of French and then the um... – exchange abroad in Italy what, what happened then you obviously went and qualified as a teacher and then did you continue learning languages or did you kind of just focus on the teaching aspect
2: hmm. yeah that's a good question so yeah I went to university um, after I finished high school I did well, French was my main subject but I did other languages so I did a bit German I did a bit of Spanish Um, I did linguistics, I loved linguistics, I found that to be a fascinating subject, kind of all aspects of it, so phonology, semantics, um, syntax, and the learning, the language acquisition as well, so I did my degree in French and linguistics, but did other languages on the side, but I think once I started teaching, I, um, yeah, I haven't learned other languages since then, and Now I wish that I'd sort of done more to learn more languages. Like I kind of feel like I, but I also acknowledge that my life has been pretty busy for the last few years. So it's really hard to um, find the time to do. I don't really have time right now for any hobbies, if that makes sense. So, um, but yeah, I definitely in the New Zealand context, I would really like, um, one of my goals is to learn a bit more Te Reo Māori because I think it's really important um, as New Zealanders that we are, uh, um, you know, that we make that effort and that's something I would like to make, you know, do more of and I, it, I feel a bit embarrassed because in my job I am I have a, a very, um, you know, I've got a perfect opportunity and access to resources to learn many different languages but I simply at the moment don't have time so I must make it a goal to kind of go back and we, I mean, we've got, um, we're really lucky in our team now with. Um, at EP with our languages team because we've got native speakers in all of the languages that we work with. So we've got a native speaker of Arabic, Chinese, Japanese, um, Maori, Italian, Spanish. So I've got all opportunities to really, to, to learn more, but I I just need to kind of carve out the time.
1: It's hard. It's hard to find the time. I can, I can um, understand that for sure. Um, it might be a good time to to tell us a little bit about EP and Education Perfect mm. and and what the business is. Cause um I know you said in your, your intro that it really started off as a as a language focused company and yeah. has evolved to to incorporate, you know, the whole broader kind of scope of education. But-
2: yeah, for sure. So yeah, and I can do that. So um Yeah, like I said, we started out as a language learning company. It was literally, it's a really interesting story, actually, for a business, I think. Um, So the founders of EP, um, the the founding person, was his name was Craig Smith, and many language teachers in Australia and New Zealand will recognise that name. And he actually first developed the very first kind of prototype of what is now EP and was LP, Language Perfect, um, when he was at high school. And he um, was learning his... Um, French and Japanese vocab for our NCA exams. Those are our national exams here in New Zealand. And he decided he needed a tool to help him learn the vocab because it was all based, all the exams are based on this vocabulary list and he needed some, he was trying to sort of find an easy way of learning vocab. So he actually created this vocab learning tool. And he was obviously very clever and very tech savvy at the time. And his brother, his older brother, Shane, helped him with it. And then um, he came down, he was based in Auckland and he came down to Dunedin where I'm based for university and um, he kind of thought, oh, well, maybe I'll explore this a bit further, see if some teachers might be into having a look at it. And he actually, I remember him coming to our, I was teaching here in Dunedin at Otago Girls High School and we we had a, a language teacher meeting for our region and he came along I think he must have been 18, Mm -hmm. fresh out of high school at the first year of university. And he said, I just wanted to, you know, run this by you. Do you guys think this would be useful um, in your classrooms? And we were like, yes, that's amazing. And so what it was back then, and this was in 2007, um, was a translation tool. So it was really just translating vocab. So the students would have a list of words um, and they would translate them either from English to target language or target language to English with several different modes. And it, at the time, that was transformational, you know, having a tool to help students learn vocab. Now, um, there's so many tools out there online for learning vocab, so it's um, not not so much, that's not so impressive anymore, but at the time, it was like, wow, this is amazing. Um, and he did, what was really cool, I think, from a language teacher perspective back then was that he really, um, they ran competitions, so they ran um, what we call the EP... We call it now the EP um, Languages Champs, which is actually just finished last week. But um, at the time it was called the Language Perfect World Champs. And it was just, an I think as a language teacher at the time, it was just an amazing event that kind of celebrated languages in schools. And I think that's what language teachers around Australia and New Zealand really liked about the product initially was it was just a really great way to give a bit more status to our subject, which often got kind of pushed to the bottom of the school. And to celebrate language learning, it was great to be able to present certificates in assembly. So it wasn't just, you know, translating vocab, it was all the kind of other stuff that went with it. And so gradually over time, I think in about 2013, the company sort of ventured into looking at other subjects. Um, and it was then that I sort of... Um, I got. I sort of worked alongside them for a long time because they were based here in Dunedin. So that was there. They they their had their where we had our, they've always had the headquarters here, and so they'd often come out to schools and and meet with us and test things out and things like that. And then um, I was about to go on maternity leave in 2014 with my second child, and I'd gone back to teaching after having my first one. And so I was like, oh, I think I'd like to have a bit longer break from teaching, having two. Children, um, and so I just contacted Craig and I said, "Oh, do you know you think you might have some work for me? Just I was imagining like maybe some data entry, you know, like just entering in some vocab." And he's like, "Ah," oh, and he's like, "Oh, maybe," and it kind of you know went over time. And then I remember when um, he um, he rang me up when I must have had I had an eighteen month old and a six month old baby. Um, and sorry, six-week-old baby, six weeks old, and he said, I think I'd like you to write a vision for um, how our vocab learning product could become a full online learning platform for learning languages. And so that was kind of the start. They dabbled in, I think in about 2013, 2014, dabbled in um like content beyond vocabulary lists but it was kind of that was a turning point in our languages product where we kind of was like right we're not just going to sell a vocabulary list it's, it's got to be more than that and so it's been a real journey over the last six years from when I sort of started it well, I wrote this vision back then when I had a screaming six week old baby um, and to think that's kind of where it's led today and so we've over the last six years that's been our aim is to really transform a translation learning um, product to a a full online learning platform for learning languages and to be, I guess our aim is to be um, like a one-stop shop for teachers, acknowledging that of course language teachers use resources from everywhere, but to really have a really solid course for teachers to base their programs on um, where they can find everything they need, so listening, reading, writing, speaking. and Lots of um, across different levels and but authentic language, native speaker recordings, that kind of thing. Um, and so, yeah, it's been quite a journey to get where we are today. Um, we've learned a lot along the way. We've made a lot of mistakes, but we're we're really, you know, we feel now we're really excited about our product and we're really excited to be working with teachers all around the world and um, helping them on their journeys with teaching their students and and supporting students language learning so yeah that's a bit about us and of course we offer some other subjects as well Um, and it's not just the content we offer we offer lots of different platform functionality so you know the data that we provide when teachers set homework tasks and assessments and things um, there's very comprehensive data that's also really great for teachers and to track student achievement and to be able to use to kind of um, gauge where their students are at where they need more work and that kind of thing um, and of course the sort of engagement side of teaching and learning as well so that, yeah, that's a bit of a background about what we are where we've come from, a bit about our journey um, but it certainly it has been a, an amazing journey and a really exciting journey to be on
0: what a great story. It's awesome. Really, really so, inspiring. Yeah, so impressed. <laughs> yeah, really inspiring. Oh, that's um, this <laughs> When you When you say that so Education Perfect is now used around the world, mm. um, so is that like how, how far around the world are we talking? Like is this, you know, is it sort of international schools and stuff, as well as kind of your regular standard, you know, I guess like public schools? Or, yeah, that's a really that's, a really that's a really good
2: question. So, well, I think in our recent EP languages champs, where we which literally just finished last week, so that's a global competition. I think we had sixty countries, um, ranging from you know the UK, the US to uh, China, Hong Kong, but also Bermuda. We actually have a, an agreement with the uh, Ministry of Education in Bermuda where they um, purchase EP for all of many of their languages departments. Um, so really lots of diverse, like real diverse kind of um, situations across the world, really a lot of um, and across Australia and New Zealand. It's, it's, it's sort of the whole mix of schools, so international schools, um, public schools Um, and then across the world it it really varies a lot so we do work with a lot of international schools around the world but we also work with um, public schools so for example I've been working really closely lately with schools in Canada so they in the Canadian schooling system is based on a school board Um, which could be anything from like a group of 20 to 100 schools where the resourcing decisions are made for like a whole across that big group of schools. But that's the public government schools. So, um, yeah, so that's been a sort of late one of our newer countries to come on board and very much in the public domain rather than the private domain. So, yeah, a real mix of countries and a real mix of schools. Um, We've got universities who use the platform as well. Um, And adult learners too. Um, And I think especially our languages program is really well suited for adults learning languages too. So there's no reason why any adult couldn't have a subscription to EP and and learn the language through EP um, as well as high school or primary students really.
1: Well, that's what I was going to ask as well because I'm imagining that perhaps this platform is accessible and, and useful for parents of students as well um I'm thinking I guess you know particularly in the last 12 months that we've had you know complete you know changes in the way we educate kids and um and that's still continuing in many many countries around the world um yeah but also like you were saying adults using the platform to learn Mm. um something that Beck and I have talked about on the podcast a couple of times is you know we would love in some way for for parents to to kind of get a like a really good grasp about the value of language learning and how to support their kids in yeah. learning languages um it's particularly if they didn't have such a great experience when they were students themselves yes so this sounds indeed, like a indeed. really
2: kind of nice like
1: tool to to plug yeah
2: in. absolutely absolutely and we do actually have a whole other side to our um product called EP for home so that's actually what exactly what you're talking about so parents can um subscribe to ep for home and essentially they can become the teacher and they don't have to know the content but they can be kind of like the administrator like a teacher would be in a school and they can assign tasks to their students and um track their student progress or or they can purchase it just for their students and the students can just go on independently and, and do it so there's a couple of different options there so a kind of more structured homeschooling option or you know students can just have okay yep I want to do French they can sign up and then they can just work through our French courses so yeah that's um that's another side to the platform as well and, and definitely um, has grown in popularity over the last year for obvious reasons yeah
0: I can imagine that would be really helpful for families with a heritage language as well that isn't necessarily taught the school that their kids go to because I know that that can be an, a bit of a struggle for some families um, where they find that they're, you know, just because of the area that they live in perhaps or the school that they've chosen for their kids to go to, the the languages on offer may only be you know, maybe, maybe one or two, but they're not the ones that potentially they have in their family or they can help with. So having something like that or an extra tool that just assists with not necessarily like homeschooling per se, but just like an assisted kind of learning at home.
2: Um, Absolutely. Yeah. And we do have, um, yeah, yeah. A lot of students using it for that reason. And um, we work with a lot of the community language schools as well in Australia. So the ones that sort of run classes on a Saturday for this um, for students in that um, in that situation where they are wanting to learn their heritage language, we we don't offer content for every single language. Obviously, um, it would be impossible to do that. But we do have also a, a, a content authoring platform as well. We teach... where teachers or parents or anyone can actually create content for learning the language too. And we're actually always open to partnerships with language groups as well. So um, especially in the context of like indigenous languages, for example, we um, would love to offer more content in in that area. Um, but obviously don't have the expertise internally. So an example of recently is we've been working on a partnership with the Yugambeh Language Group in Queensland, and they're actually um, going to be creating a beginner-level course in EP um, to learn the Yugambeh language based on some learning materials they were already designing, and that's going to be made available throughout Australia. So we're very, you know, if anyone out there is listening to this and, and they are... Um, attached to a a language group that wants to get their language better known and wants a platform for doing that we're very happy to talk to you another example um, we haven't established a partnership yet in this area but an area where we're very keen to establish a partnership is in the um, area of Auslan so Australian Sign Language because that's we get requests for that on a daily basis um, people wanting to, to learn sign language and we don't offer content for that and we don't have the expertise internally but we would love to kind of have a partnership with a organisation where we might be able to work together to provide um, a course so yeah if there's anyone out there listening um, and please do get in touch with me if you've if you're interested in that kind of opportunity so where the company is very open to what we call content partnerships to help promote those kind of languages that might be sort of minority languages oh that's so exciting and it must
1: be I, I feel like it feels like, you know, such a great kind of time and to be working in this kind of industry of language education, but with the blend with technology and, you know, there's just so many opportunities for businesses and for learners and teachers and everyone at the moment. It's very exciting. Um, has there been, you know, something or more than one thing that's kind of stood out to you as, as surprising or you know, something that's really awesome to you about working in this this kind of field?
2: Um, Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I guess the thing that I find really awesome is just, it's so varied. I mean, there's just so many different things that I get to deal with on a daily basis. So can be, you know, just really diverse, um, interesting opportunities. Um, And it's always changing. Like there's always something new, um, whether it's a new some new part of our product or a new market that we're working with. I find it really fascinating kind of working with new countries and learning about what their needs are, learning about what their curriculum requirements are and how we might be able to fit with that. So what you know, looking at our product and thinking how can we support schools in this country and what what have we got that's gonna help with their curriculum that so I think for me that's something I particularly enjoy. Um but yeah, I think really it's just the the diverse nature of what we do and in any one day it can be a whole variety of things that um, I get to deal with so it makes it very exciting and um yeah and I guess it, it it comes back to our core vision of of our product our languages product which is um making language learning accessible and exciting for all learners and that's um for me is a really exciting vision and is um at the middle of the core of what we do and um it's a really it's really I often have to sort of pinch myself and think wow I'm so lucky to have this job and to be doing what I'm doing and it's it's amazing yeah yeah I was just about to say that I feel like you
0: have the most interesting such a cool and interesting like career progression that you have managed to not only make languages your career but you've also managed to progress from what is a, a fairly traditional kind of Foreign languages teaching role um, into something that is so dynamic and new, like ed tech, I feel like is this huge kind of just growing um, industry. Um, that's changing all of the time mm. and I think for for people like us who we love languages but we, we've often had the conversation before about like well you know people like kind of only consider that you can do a few things with languages mm. especially in this part of the world where we mm. you know don't always have a lot of accessibility to um to seeing and hearing other languages and kind of the mainstream media a lot um but you know I think you're a really good example of somebody who has you know, you you've, you're still maintaining the passions that you had when you became a teacher. Now, with a job that um, is, in lots of ways, really, really new and really mm. different. So, do you have any um, do you have any recommendations for people? I guess who might be in a similar position where they're kind of like, I love languages. You know, maybe they're younger, maybe they're a, a little older, and they're sort of looking at maybe changing changing up their career path a little bit. Mm. Um, for how to how to make sure that you can actually you can make a passion in languages part of your, your working life?
2: Mm, That's a good question. I think, yeah, I don't know if I've got the, you know, the perfect recipe, I mean, I think it's just don't be afraid to just go for for it and just take opportunities. Don't be afraid to take risks. I mean, for me, it felt when I left teaching, um, it felt like a massive risk I was taking. um, And I was like, oh my gosh, like, because I, I I kept teaching for a long time after I started working at EP, and I sort of did both for a while because I didn't want to give up that traditional safe career path. It was very safe, um, and you know I I enjoyed it as well. But I, and it took me a long time to actually um, leave teaching properly because I, um, yeah, I was I was pretty nervous and it felt like a big risk. But I'd just say, you know, take opportunities as they come up. Um, don't be afraid to take risks um and just go with it and just go with your passion and um and do, yeah do, just just do it <laughs> um I don't know if that's very helpful but um oh yeah I think just don't be afraid to take opportunities I suppose Yeah.
1: I think that applies to you know all aspects of the language learning journey whether you decide to to blend it somehow into your career or you just want to use it as a hobby and, and, you know, you love languages. Mm -hmm. And I think risk-taking is a a, a fact, a fact of life for when Mm. you're learning a language anyway. Absolutely. (laughs) I was just thinking
2: that after, yeah, you've got to take risks even to say a sentence, you know, not worry about how you sound, not worry about what people are going to say and, and the judgment, you know, sounding funny. I remember when I was first learning French and I was so nervous about, saying the words because I didn't want to sound silly and sound different but I think that, that it is it's risk learning is a big part of language learning right from that first stage of actually making the utterances and 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 communicating so I suppose that's it's it's across the it's across the whole the whole journey isn't it sure is
0: mm. and interestingly I feel like that risk-taking aspect of learning languages or or really any any situation where you put yourself out there and you just go no I'm just gonna do it like that is actually part of the pleasure of that kind of experience too it's that you put yourself out there and you take a risk and you you sort of step into the world of the unknown a little bit and then you find that well nothing bad happened and also you got something really good out of it and you're probably still smiling and hopefully laughing about it (laughs) Uh (laughs) and and all of that is a good thing so I think that's a really good reminder for for everyone in whatever it is that you do and whatever stage of life you may be in um, it's okay to sometimes take a a good controlled risk um, especially because it might turn out to be something that really works out for the better
2: yeah absolutely yeah no for sure it's just making me laugh now because I've got a very um, risky six-year-old daughter who likes to do things like jump off cars and you know (laughs) and like jump off scaffolding and and buildings and things so I sort of laugh I'm thinking inside me actually I'm saying take risks but I'm telling her all the time no don't do it so I was you know (laughs) sort of comparing it to a, a different part of my life but um yes and in moderation, take take risks. <laughs> yeah. Don't jump off cars. Don't jump off scaffolding. Take
1: risks with with learning Japanese, but perhaps don't take a risk yep. by jumping off that car. Yeah,
2: yeah, <laughs> yep. absolutely. Yeah, yeah.
1: Oh, thanks, Philippa. Oh, we've had a wonderful chat. Thank you so much for for giving up your time to um, chat no with worries. us. No worries.
2: It's been great. It's been great to great to talk to you guys, and it's wonderful to have people who are so passionate about language learning and. Um, who are, you know, you're giving out your time to promote language learning, which is fantastic. So thank you for inviting oh, me.
1: Our pleasure. Thank you. And thank you to everyone for listening to another episode of Language Chats. Um, before you go, Philippa, I should also ask, is there somewhere on the internet <laughs> that um, people can find you or find out more about Education Perfect or mm. somewhere where we'd like people to direct to
2: Sure, probably the best way is email. So, just my email address is philippa.kruger at educationperfect.com. Um, so, it's P H I L I P P A, one L two P's. Um, so, yeah, email's probably good. And then, if you're interested in, in getting set up with EP, um, I can, or finding out more, I can have a chat to you, or I can send you um, the details of how to log in, how to get an account, and that kind of thing. So, please don't hesitate to reach out. I'd love to love to chat to you.
0: So we'll make sure that um, Philip's details are in the show notes um, and also we'll give you the link there as well to Education Perfect so everyone can find a little bit more information about what they do pretty easily there. Um, so thank you for joining us for another episode of Language Chats. We've had fun as always. It's been great to chat languages with you um, and we will see you in another fortnight. And if you are interested in this episode if you've had fun listening then do subscribe to language chats wherever it is that you listen to podcasts um also you can find us on social media We're language lovers au um and if you would like to join our community as well um then find us on facebook we're called language lovers au community and there you can meet some other people um, who are also interested in languages in our region thanks again thanks philippa
1: see you next time thank you See you next time.